All right, it's the day after Christmas. I've been told to, to shorten my sermon by half. So I have to, <laughs> I got to get on it today. <laughs> so let's just be clear. Mary did know. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's that 90s classic CCM style uh, song that, that had it come out in the 80s would have been perfect. <laughs> but Christian music is always a, a decade late. <laughs> and so it came out in the 90s. And so it was, it was awkwardly emotional. Uh, it, it, was, it was mansplaining. It was patronizing. <laughs> and really, it's just theologically wrong. So do I like that song, Mary, Did You Know? No, I do not like that song because of the song that we're going to sing today. And so please stand for the reading of God's word. <laughs> we are in Luke chapter 1. We're going to be reading from verses 44 to 56. Forty-six, Verse 46, sorry. Are we good? Great. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Father, we ask that you would, you would bless the, the preaching and the hearing of your word. Lord, the, the, the flowers fade, the grass withers, but your word of your Lord stands forever. And so, Lord, would it, would it shine brighter for us to hear it this Christmas, post-Christmas morning? We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's get back to Mary, did you know? This is really important. <laughs> The song, as we just explained, is just super cheesy. And it's just, Mary, did you know <laughs> that your baby would save us sons and daughters? And you're going, mmm. One, again, cheesy sound, all that. But absolutely, <laughs> she knew, unequivocally, she knew, because her na the name Mary gives to Jesus is Jesus. And Jesus in the Hebrew is Yeshua, and it means Yahweh saves. <laughs> So did she know that he would save his sons? Absolutely. His name is literally Deliverer, right? It is to save. That is his name. So she knew that. But then he asked some terrible questions like, like, did you know he would walk on water? And you're like, oh, of course, she wasn't omniscient. She didn't know everything that would happen. But at the wedding at Cana, when they were trying to figure out what to do, where, where's all the wine? We need some wine. Jesus says, do whatever Jesus tells you to do to the people. Because she knew that this son of hers has this crazy power that can unlock physics and, and make wine come out of nowhere. And so do whatever he tells you. And so I want to say, clearly, Mary knew. 
We could settle that debate. Clearly, Mary knew. And we can go through each line of that song if we wanted to, but that's not the sermon. In Luke 2, in my short sermon, <laughs> in Luke 2.51, it says that Mary, his mother, treasured up all these things in her heart. And so Mary was not only the mother of Jesus, she treasured this up, and she was also a disciple of Jesus. And so in, in a very real sense, she was the first disciple of Jesus, and so when Mary was, uh, as the mother, as the disciple, think about this, when all the other apostles fled Jesus and Peter denied him three times, oh, who was at the cross? Oh, who was at the cross with him to the bitter end? Oh, who was it that was at the tomb when Jesus arose from the grave? Who was it? Oh, it was Mary. And oh, where were, were they? In France. Um, no, <laughs> they were nowhere to be seen. She was there all these times. She was there at Pentecost. What, and so what gave her the faith? What gave her the strength, the resolve when others doubted and disbelieved and, and denied and fled? It's that she knew who Jesus was. She knew who he was. But do we know? Do we know who Mary is? Do we actually know who this actual, this, this woman is? And so this Christmas morning, we're going to look at the real Mary, the Magnificat, and the merciful. The real Mary, the Magnificat, and the merciful. And so the real Mary, when we think of Mary, we think of Mary meek and mild, right? We think of, we think of sweet, palms folded, compliant Mary, who, who is just, who's just a, a holy womb for, for the Savior. Uh, this, this obedient girl sitting with cuddly farm animals, just, just petting them, right? <laughs> but the more we look at Mary, the more we realize she wasn't quiet at all, right? Mary was a young teenager who's having a baby out of wedlock. She's a woman. She's a minority in Roman-occupied territory. And so Mary was not a, a hapless damsel in distress, like, she, she was a warrior princess. I mean, just think about it. Not, not only did Mary have to bring the, the risky job of bringing the God-man to full term in a time when, when 30% of the kids uh, did not make it there, and then a, an additional 30% of the children didn't make it to adulthood. And so if you do the math, only 40% of kids made it to the age of 20 or older. And Mary saw those odds and said, I'll take it. Mary saw that all the odds are going against her, and she said, I'll take it. And not only that, she also had the added pressure of people actively looking for her child to kill. Not just people, powerful people with armies. And so she said, I'll take it. And so you see Mary now in a little bit different light. You see her as like the Scarlet Witch. Like, she's Gamora. <laughs> she is Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman and Nakia. Like, she is, she is a powerful woman. Let's give her her due. <laughs> and she's also a scandalized woman because no one believed her. Like, that no one believed that the Spirit of God impregnated her. They're like, yeah, okay. And so she, they just brought so much shame to her and to her family that she had this child out of wedlock. And yet she stays faithful in the midst of all of it. This teenage girl comes singing a rebel yell, <laughs> intent on reorienting unjust systems and toppling rulers from their thrones. I mean, if you look at this thing, 
It's pretty radical. She's very radical. Like she, she, she is existing in the confines of institutionalized religion and, and government. And this is who is singing. This is who is singing our song. It's not a lullaby. When we think of Mary's sweet song, if you look at the song, it's, it's not a lullaby. It's, it's a, a battle hymn. It is a war cry. And as, it's awesome. And as awesome as, as, as the song is and as Mary is, all of this is not about the song or about Mary. It's about the person we're singing to and about. It's the Magnificat. And so we're going to look up from Mary to the Magnificat. And we call it Magnificat because the Latin word uh, that's being translated here in that first line in verse 46 says, My soul glorifies or Magnificat, magnifies the Lord. Jesus is who we are magnifying. Jesus is the Magnificat. He, he's who is worthy. He is who is mighty. But that's typically where we stop in, in singing this song. We just say, my soul magnifies the Lord. And we go, the rest is, we won't get to it, right? <laughs> but we forget the reasons that she is praising the Lord. We forget the reasons that she is now lifting him high. The song has, has some political and some social elements to it that tend to upset the apple cart, right? If you, if you don't believe me, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who, who was executed, a German pastor and theologian, who was executed by the Nazis, called the Magnificat the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary hymn ever sung. <laughs> Woo! Okay, that's coming from <laughs> Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and maybe you're saying, I don't know who that is. Okay, how about this? Some countries, such as India or or. Argentina, 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 or Guatemala have actually banned the Magnificat from being spoken in liturgy or in worship. Like you cannot say the, these these radical words. That's how much fire we're playing with right now. That's how radical this is. And so, don't be fooled by a tame version of this song. This song is fire. I mean, think about this. Look at this image that we have up here. I think. It, it's kind of a, a shocking image if you, if you think about that. That being Mary, um, she's got her foot on a skull, on a snake. Uh, she has her fist raised saying, cast down the mighty and send the rich away. <laughs> it's not really what you think of when you think of Mary. This is her song. <laughs> this comes from her song. It, it's so powerful. I mean, I feel like you should probably make it into a t-shirt or something. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe someone, oh, someone already has. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it has some like rage against the machine elements to it. Like it, it's take the power back. It's guerrilla radio revolutionary type stuff. And so for many, this is not what we think of when we think of Christmas. And some of you are like, please don't do this on my Christmas Sunday. <laughs> This is not what we think of when we think of Christmas. But for Mary, Christmas is deliverance. Christmas is, is emancipation. Christmas is, is emancipation from oppression. I mean, look at, her, look at the Magnificat, verse 51. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Whew. He scatters the proud. He prevents the corrupt from conspiring against the righteous. He foils backroom plots in the room where it happens. He dilutes propaganda in unjust conspiracies. I mean, whew, 
This is fire. And notice the tense in which they, that, it, that it's speaking, that she is speaking. It's as if it's already done. She's saying these things as if it's already happened because she knows this is such a sure thing that he will do it. It's as if it's already happened. Verse 52, he has brought down rulers from their thrones. He's already done it in her eyes. They, they just don't know it yet. <laughs> God takes the power and authority from those who use it to oppress and to marginalize. And then verse 53, he sends the rich away. (laughs) This is a powerful hymn. He takes the economic power away from the oppressor. He takes the red marker away from those drawing lines. He rezones his people equitably. And he empties their bank accounts to fill the bellies of the hungry. Oh my goodness, (laughs) the Magnifica is a rebel cry calling us to stand in solidarity for people at the bottom of every power curve. It is is straight fire. (laughs) Like, do you hear what makes Mary sing? What gets her excited and joyful? It's that God is going to break the arm of the oppressors. That the all oppression in every form will cease Now, there, there are some out here this past week, no one we know, um, that, that, that are on social media, and I won't, I won't quote them, or I won't give them, I won't say their name. Um, they're, they're saying some nonsense like, uh, our biggest problem is not poverty or sickness or sadness or marginalization. Our biggest problem is our sin. And I want to say, okay, I'll give you that our, that our eternal problem is our sin. Okay, that, that, that's, that's okay. Um, but what I think what, when people try to say this quote, what they're trying to say is, therefore, don't talk about the social problems right here and now. Only talk about our eternal destinies. Don't talk about social issues. Preach the gospel. Don't focus on the social. Keep politics out of the pulpit. Now, let me just say, you, some of y'all don't some of y'all are new here and even those who are not. We will never tell you who to vote for. Like there's, there's not one person on this earth who we, who we can give a full vote of confidence to. Human beings are too complex for us to be like, oh, they're, they're perfect, right? Like we will never, ever, ever, ever do that. But look at, look at what gets Mary excited. Look at Mary's Christmas message. The gospel is social. It's going to bring social change. She's getting political. A change is going to come, is what she's trying to say. Like, Jesus will bring that change, and it's real. And it will impact you now and into eternity. Now and into eternity. So Jesus did not merely come to save sinners. He came to save sufferers. Let me say that again. (laughs) Jesus did not merely come to save sinners. He came to save sufferers. For those suffering under oppression, that is the primary focus of the Magnificat. He has come to save you from your suffering. And that is good news, amen? Amen. I mean, hopefully, (laughs) maybe you're suffering this Christmas and you need deliverance from that. Maybe you are worn thin this Christmas and you need deliverance. You need need the Savior. This This is who is coming for us. Now, we, and not only do we need a savior to deliver us from suffering, but maybe we've also realized I need, I need a, a deliverer from the power that sin has over me. And so I need both. I need, I need a deliverer from both my suffering and from my sin. 
And that is what the Magnificat is preaching to us this morning. It is doubly great news. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's not to you. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, based on how, how it strikes you. Is it good news to you? This message should sound like good news, but maybe it's not good news if maybe you're well-fed. You have a position. You have some power. Maybe you got a little coin in your pocket. Like maybe you benefit from systems that are of oppression. I mean, how does the Magnificat feel when... when you aren't one of the lonely and one of the lowly. If you are, aren't as vulnerable and you aren't coming from humble surroundings, then no wonder you can't embrace how radical the song is because it's not good news to you. It might feel like a threat to you, which is why governments ban it. I worry if that's where you're at, that you have made your own self your own magnificat. You magnify and glorify me and lift me up versus Jesus here. And a very scary passage, but also a passage full of grace and hope is from James 4, 6, where it says, God opposed the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I think one of the, one of the maybe one of the most gracious things God can do is to oppose the proud is to wake them up to their pride in opposing them. And so if, if that's you today, I want you to hear this Christmas message this morning. Get low. Get low. One takeaway from this Christmas this morning is to get low because God opposes our pride. And he, he wants to remind us to get low. Because if, if, if God gives grace to the humble, then we need to get low. Because when we are brought low and humble, then and only then can we actually receive the mercy of our God. We actually see the good news as good news. Because if I have $100 and I find a penny on the ground, what is that to me? It's not good news to me. But when I see how needy I am and I'm offered this gift of salvation, then it's everything for me. And so I encourage you this morning to get low to see our need for our Savior. And so we've looked at Mary, we looked at the Magnificat, and lastly, let's look at the Merciful. And so Mary hears this Christmas message from, from the angel. She is told that God's only child becomes human so that humanity can become God's only child. And Mary doesn't just stop and go, oh, that's neat. <laughs> interesting. I wonder what else is on TV. <laughs> she doesn't say, oh, cool, interesting. No, <laughs> when Mary hears the Christmas message, she says, my soul has to sing. It reaches me to the deepest part of my being, to my depths, that I've been changed and I've never been so empty and then so filled. And something so powerful is stirring in her that her spirit has to respond. And so the good news to her is so good that it makes her sing. The Christmas message is so good that it makes her sing that she is delivered from her sin and from her suffering. And so if we, if we just tell you that, that the Christmas message that, that God has delivered you, that God, is, that God has delivered you from, from your sin, you might say, okay, that's, that's warm, that's, that's fuzzy. But when you see that he's delivered you from your sin and your suffering, you put these things together, you go, this is real. This, this, has, this has meat to it. This is tangible, and it's going to start to change you. And you start to see how great and mighty this, this God is. And you see, he can do that. 
The same God, the same great God who can topple world governments, who can take the money away from the rich, that same God got so low. Why? Why did he get so low? I mean, that great God didn't just become a baby. We all know how that works, right? Me and Kristen, we talked about when Knox was in her, when her, in her tummy. We said he was a little peanut. That great God became a peanut. But even smaller than that, he was a speck. He wasn't even something you could see. He became so low. The great God, the greatest God of all the universe became a small little speck. He got so low. I mean, there's another image that that I have up here. It's from an artist, Everett Patterson's, and it's titled Jose E. Maria. And this, to me, depicts how low Jesus came. It's maybe hard to see. You can zoom in if you want. He came to a teenage immigrant refugee on the run. I mean... God is coming to someone with no position and no power, and you think, how could he ever do this? But God. (laughs) But God, that's how God works. The divine reversal happens all the time, where the last become first and the first become last, right? Where the weak become strong and the strong become weak, where the humble are exalted and the exalted are reduced to humility. The divine reversal happens all the time. And so why does she magnify or see God so high? Because he stoops so low for us. And he comes down for you and me. Maybe you've been beaten up this Christmas. Maybe you're just tired and worn out. You're not sure you can keep going. Maybe you feel like you've had a lot of negative self-thoughts Maybe it's about others are leaving you because of your low estate. And I just want to say, when others leave you, God comes for you. <laughs> like, when, when, when you see that others say, you're too much, God says, you're, you're enough. When others are critical of you, maybe body shaming, class shaming, whatever shaming of you, God says, I like you just the way that you are. I love you deeply. That's who comes at Christmas. When others box you in and say, that's all you'll ever be, God blows up our boxes and says, I've done great things, and I'm going to continue to do great things. I'm not done with you. I'm going to continue to do great things with you. And he will. He will. And so this is the beauty of this battle hymn, that the God of heaven and earth, in his mercy, which is something we don't deserve, he gives us something we don't deserve, comes for lowly mess-ups and outcasts like you and me. Let me say that again, that the God of heaven and earth, in his mercy, comes for lowly mess-ups and outcasts like you and me. Amen? And again, this is not just to save you from your sin, but to deliver you from your suffering. Verse 52 tells us a little, little hope. He says that he lifts the humble. He, verse 53, he fills the hungry. He helps us in our need. This is who we worship. He's so good that he will lift you up. He will fill you. He won't leave you in your suffering. He will feed you and take care of you. And he's going to redistribute our wealth to care for those in need. I mean, that's, that's what we do here at Mosaic. Like, we redistribute God's resources because he's called us to do that. Like, why do you think that we take tithes and offerings when we do? We do, yes, we, 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 we like to give money to nonprofits, but we, we want to give money away to those who are in need. And so when those who are in need come to us, we pull our resources and we, we share it freely. 
Like that's why? Because that's who God is. He cares for you. When you come on hard times, he cares for you. He meets our needs. And so this Christmas, hear the battle cry of Mary. Magnify, magnify, lift him on high. For his love and his mercy, he is truly our magnificat. Who doesn't take power to hoard it, but he gives it away. Jesus got low to bring us high. Jesus came low to bring us high. And so when we look at this radical Christmas message, I mean, man, it makes you want to join a revolution. (laughs) It makes you want to sing with them. And so today I want to say, get low and let's start singing. Let me pray.